But before we study God's word today, before we go into the message today, I'd like to invite you to join me as we pray, asking for God's direction. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity to be here in your house. We thank you that you have brought us here safely and allowed us, Lord, to be here in fellowship and communion. And now, Lord, as we open up scripture, as we approach your holy word, we ask for your direction. We ask that the Holy Spirit may be here more than ever, guiding our thoughts, leading us. And particularly, Lord, anoint my lips. Use me as your instrument today. Of the message you have for us this morning. I Lord ask for every worshiper here today. That our hearts may be open. Our minds and our ears open. And that we, have, we may receive this message clearly this morning. Send your angels Lord to be surrounding us here. And let no uh, evil spirit attempt to make any presence here because we're here to serve you to serve the king of the universe and we are here to glorify the name of jesus in whose name we ask these blessings amen we talked about the uh, picnic that's taking place uh, next sunday and uh, there is something special taking place tomorrow as well in uh, Whitby, in the Candlewood Church, when uh, two uh, young people will be joining together in sacred holy matrimony, uh, Platania Hardy and Chris, Chris, uh, will be will be getting married together. And uh, we are happy for the family. We are happy for Scott and Andrea. And uh, it's a single and important and special occasion, right? And so please keep those two young folks in your prayers, right? All the love, all the passion that they have for one another will be tried and will be tempted as they unite in holy matrimony. The enemy is never pleased with that. So please keep them in your, in your prayers that they will constitute a happy, loving family and uh, with some grandchildren coming along the way one day, right? We don't want to rush things. But talking about the picnic, here in Canada, you know, it may be a little uh, easier when you pick a place uh, and you go there. You, you are kind of guaranteed certain minimum uh, structure uh, because, you know, the parks are maintained uh, in, in, in several cases by the city, by the province, or by the country. And so you expect uh, to get there and find minimum, you know, conditions that will allow you to have a good time there. It's not so in every other country. I remember growing up, uh, well, every year there's something that happens in Rio de Janeiro, which is the carnival. It's quite different from the carnival here in Quebec. It's uh, something you really want to stay away from. And so uh, every time the carnival comes around, churches all over Brazil, but specifically in Rio, uh, because that's where the carnival is, is really heats up, uh, churches, you know, look for a place where they can take uh, the folks for a retreat. And they usually go for this retreat from uh, Friday all the way to Tuesday of the following week or Wednesday. 
to stay away from all the festivities from the carnival. It's not a place where Christians would like to be, to be honest. And so we look for places. And I remember one year, uh, my parents were in charge of finding a place for the church to go for this retreat. And we looked at some places and all of a sudden received a call of someone advertising for a place. And they said that the place was wonderful, that the place had all the infrastructure we needed, and the place had the right accommodations and everything else you could think of. And so we believed in their word and we almost didn't go check the place. But I'm glad that my parents said, no, you know what? We should go check the place out. And we went and it was a total disaster. What a total disappointment. Uh, it was unhealthy just to look at it. And uh, they, had, they, they supposedly had a sauna and everything, so there was a lot of mold and uh, cracked walls and everything, so we decided not to go there. And I don't know if you've been through any kind of experience like that, where you were uh, holding your expectations high, uh, whether for a vacation trip or for a new job that you got, that you were getting. And you had high expectations, and when you get there, you find yourself quite disappointed. It's not exactly what your expectations were aiming for. And you see that the reality is way below your expectations. It could be, like I said, a vacation trip. It could be a new job that you got, and it's, it's not quite what you're expecting. It could be uh, even uh, your choice of career. When you were young, you chose a career, and you thought everything would be rosy, but it turns out that things are disappointing to you. It could be a relationship. It could be a, a marriage. It could be your marriage that maybe things are not going the best and you are, you are disappointed. Things are below the expectations you had. Whatever the situation, I'm sure that you may have gone through something like that already in your life. And unfortunately, some people have experienced the same in regard to church, in regard to their relationship even with Christ. But I have to admit that some of this disappointment has more to do with the expectations we set than with reality itself. Let me give you a couple of biblical examples. Think of Joseph, Joseph, the father of Jesus who after all was not really the father of Jesus, but was the father of Jesus. Joseph was engaged to Mary. They were promised to one another. And I'm sure that just like Chris and Platania, they had planned for a wedding feast. And I'm sure that Joseph was looking forward to that. He had everything planned out. He had uh, this picture and his expectations of what he wanted the, the, the wedding feast to be. But all of a sudden it all changes because he finds out that his soon-to-be wife is pregnant. And so it takes, it takes a lot of faith on Joseph's part to believe that that was God's plan. Well, an angel appeared to him, you might say, but it takes a lot of faith for him to begin with to believe that it was a, a good angel, an angel coming from God. And to believe that what the angel was telling him was really true. And was going to be God's plan. But you know what? It was based on his faith. That he accepted that to be God's will and God's plan. And he was planning to quietly leave his soon to be wife. 
He didn't want to put her to shame. But he believed in what the angel said. He believed that the one who was going to be born of Mary was to be named Jesus. Because Jesus means Savior. The one who was going to save his people from their sins. And he went forward with that. Because he had faith that even though the situation was quite, quite awkward, it was still God's will. Well, think of the, old, the other Joseph in the Bible. The one who was the son of Jacob, the son of Israel. Joseph was an obedient son. He was a good boy. Maybe a little bit spoiled, but we won't get there. We won't go there. But he was a good boy. He was a believer. He obeyed his parents. He studied scripture. And one day, it seemed to be just like any other day. Where his father told him, you know, your, your brothers are out in the field tending the sheep. Go there and check them out and see how things are going. And come back to me with a report. And that's all that Joseph was looking forward to. He was looking forward to going out in the field, checking out on his brothers. And coming back with a report to his father. But that day, everything changed in his life. He didn't plan for it. He was not expecting it. He was not looking, looking forward to any of that. But he found himself sold by his brothers to a band of strangers, a band of merchants who took him down to Egypt and sold him out there as a slave. And he saw a series of events taking place in his life that he never dreamed of. He had had many dreams, but not those ones. And he ended up in prison. But it turned out that you will not find in the Bible, you will not find anywhere in the Bible Joseph cursing God, Joseph cursing his brothers, Joseph saying anything negative. All the time you see that he believed that God was still leading. It takes faith. It takes faith to believe that even when circumstances are not that which you were hoping for, circumstances are not lining up with your expectations. It takes faith for you to believe that God is still the one leading everything. But yes, this is how God operates. It's not always the way you were expecting. It's not always the way you were looking forward to. But God has a plan. And the thing is, you must have enough faith to believe that God is still leading. And so if you feel like your church experience, if you feel like your experience even with Jesus, is not exactly what you were expecting. If you feel like you have come only so far in your Christian experience. And you can't break through anymore. You seem unable to break through completely. If you feel like there is something that is preventing you for, from continuing to blossom, to bloom. In your religious, in your spiritual experience. I tell you, you are not alone. Even Bible characters have experienced that. But what makes the difference is whether or not you'll have enough faith to believe that God is still in control. 
What makes the difference is it whether or not you have enough faith to face the circumstances and how you're going to react to that. What is sure to make a difference in your life is whether or not you're going to live by faith. Because the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. It's not faith in the government. It's not faith in, in your wishful thinking. It's faith in Jesus. It's faith that Jesus is the only one that can provide the answers for your life. It's the faith that helps you set your eyes on the glory that is to come. Rather than on the difficulties of today. It is faith that God really loves you. No matter what you've been going through. It is faith that Jesus can give you peace of mind. A firm resolution. A calm disposition. Faith that Jesus can give you emotional intelligence. Self-control. And strength to break through the challenges that may come your way. That's the kind of faith we are talking about. And even when it seems that the challenges of your life will last forever. Even when it seems that you will never get through that. You still have faith. You can still remember that some Bible characters never saw anything good coming out. In their lives. But yet they endured all the way through the end. While you see that some prophets like Elijah, Elijah was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. While John the Baptist was left to literally rot in a prison cell. But yet both died. I mean, one of them died, the other is in heaven. But yet both all the way through the end remained faithful. Remained trusting that God's plan was taking taking was in control god was in control of everything and that's that's what makes the difference we all here each and every one of us here we all have come a long way we all have come out of trials and tribulation we all have come from different circumstances broken families broken relationships contempt Humiliation, I got to tell you, none of that, none of that is God's fault. None of that comes from God and none of that is His fault. God never intended that to be so. So let's never blame God for our poor decisions. Let's never blame God for what man does. God never planned for that and yet... In spite of all the, the difficulties and challenges we find ourselves in, God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be made sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in Jesus. So I tell you, my friend, you do not have to wallow in the mire. You, we need not to continue to look back to what we... Could have been. Because this is the life that God gave us. And we do as Paul said. We move forward. We press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3.14. And this is the God we serve. The one who made Jesus who knew no sin to be made sin for us. And this is all in the Bible. Jesus Christ 
the perfect, sinless, unblemished Son of God, the only one who knew no sin, He was made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Think about this trade, this, this exchange that is not, not at all fair. But Jesus came to be made sin, to become sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus did not come as a majestic king. He came as a helpless baby. He was raised in a very poor family. And that in itself was way below the expectation of, the, of his own people at his time. They were probably looking for someone who would come as a king. Someone who would deliver them out of the oppression of the Roman government. But Jesus came as someone really poor, really simple. That was below their expectation. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. This is the God you and I are called to have faith in. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, 4, that Jesus took upon himself our grief and our sorrow. I'll say it again. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 verse 4. That Jesus took upon himself our grief and our sorrow. Jesus took upon himself our grief and our sorrow. You no longer have to, leave, have to live in grief. You no longer have to live in sorrow. Because he has already borne it. He has already carried it in his own flesh. You no, longer, you no longer have to live in sorrow because he borne all the sorrow you could ever experience in this life. In the following verse, Isaiah 53, 5, the Bible says that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. I wonder if you believe that. I wonder if you truly do. If you truly believe that Jesus carried our transgressions. That he was wounded for our sins. And he was bruised for our iniquities. So you no longer have to live in sin. Because if you do, you're crucifying the Son of God fresh. You're crucifying him anew. You no longer have to live in sin. You no longer have to live in sorrow. Because Jesus carried it all. I wonder if we have today the faith that Jesus has become a curse for us. To redeem us from the curse of the law. So in Jesus, the Bible says that everything becomes new. In Jesus, the Bible says that everything is made, everyone is made a new creation. Everyone who accepts Him. Jesus died that you could live. Jesus was made sin that you could be freed from the dominion of sin. You no longer have to live in your guilt. You no longer have to be the same. You can be a new person, a new creation. You no longer have to lose your temper for silly things or to hurt those around you. You no longer have to be discouraged with yourself. Because Jesus took it all 
in our place. In Jesus, we become a new creation. I cannot think of a better opportunity for us to renew our commitment to God than today at a communion service. I cannot think of a better opportunity for all of us to renew our commitment to God. I cannot think of a better opportunity for us to ask God to help us see Jesus Christ in a true light. Maybe you expected of Jesus something that you yourself have to do. Maybe you've been struggling and, and asking Jesus, why don't you do this for me when you can do that? When you have been empowered to do that, Jesus will not do for us that which the Holy Spirit has empowered us to do. The power of our own decisions, the power of making a decision, the power of changing some things in our lives is something that God is willing to give to us and to enable us to make those decisions and those changes. And so today, as we come to this uh, communion service, I'd like to make an appeal to you. I remember when I first came to this church that I, I think I made an appeal. I used to make an appeal almost every sermon. And, uh, and today is one of those days that I'd like to make an appeal to you. Or maybe you have already accepted Christ in your life. And maybe you have accepted Christ already as your Savior. And you have been baptized in this church. And today my appeal is to you as well. Because today you can confirm that commitment with God. So whether you're already a baptized member of this church and you accept Christ in your heart, I'm still appealing to you today that you may confirm that commitment to God. But there may be another category of people here. Maybe you have accepted Christ in your heart. Maybe you have acknowledged that He is the only Savior. Maybe you have accepted Him and been, been baptized in this church. But you feel like you're not living your life, your Christian life, to the fullest extent that you could. Maybe you're not experiencing the real joy of salvation. And so today I, I also appeal to you that you may renew your commitment to the Lord. But maybe there is another category of people that have not made a full decision yet. Maybe you believe that Christ is the Savior. But you have not yet committed your whole life to Him. And so to you today... I also say that Jesus wants to be the Lord of your life. Not only the Savior. Not only the one who can and will forgive your sins if you ask. But the one who wants to be the Lord of your life. And maybe you have not yet made Jesus the Lord of your life completely. Maybe there are areas of your life that you have not yet surrendered to Him completely. Maybe you have enjoyed the, the peace of being forgiven, but there are areas of your life where you still want to hold control of, where you still want to be the Lord of. And Jesus is saying, give it all to me. So to you, I also appeal today. And so no matter which category you find yourself in, of those three, today can be a day of a new beginning. 
Today can be a day of new beginnings in your life. And so I'll invite you, if this is how you feel, whichever category you find yourself in, if you'd like to, to uh, answer, to respond to this appeal that I'm making to you, I invite you to kindly stand up. I invite you to stand as I'll offer a prayer for you. Before we separate for the foot washing and for communion and come back for communion. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, that even in this day and age, the Holy Spirit is still working in the hearts of your people. The Holy Spirit still working in the hearts of humans. Trying to, to woo them to heaven. And so Lord today we are here. The eyes of your angels in your eyes are looking down and contemplating those who have stood up here. Rededicating, renewing, confirming their commitment to you or... Making a decision of surrender fully to you. So Lord, here we are. Simple, frail, weak human beings. But with a heart that is willing to accept you and to have you Lord of our lives. So please Lord, as we go through the foot washing and then through the communion service this morning. I ask that this resolution, this decision that has been taken now, may be confirmed. That your angels, Lord, may record this decision up in the books of heaven. And that your Holy Spirit may continue to work with us day by day, giving us the strength that is not in ourselves, but the strength that we need to live a life that will be according to the decision we have just made here this morning. Bless us all, young and old, children and elderly, parents and children. Bless us all today and help us, Lord, to leave here this morning, later today, with the feeling that we have been refreshed and that we have been renewed in our communion with you. I ask you these blessings in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.